I want to take that this morning uh, as my text to Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 2, uh, beginning at verse 13. If you have a Bible handy, I want to invite you to turn there. Uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, and beginning at verse uh, 13. And this morning I want to talk about Jesus, political refugee, Jesus, social outcast. Jesus, political refugee, Jesus, social outcast. I don't know how many of us have ever thought of Jesus in those terms as Jesus as a social outcast or Jesus as a political refugee. But if we look closely and, and, and if we're paying attention, that seems exactly how Matthew describes him in our text. Did you notice? Francis Chan in, in his book, uh, entitled Erasing Hell, writes something uh, interesting about the way that uh, we tend to think about Jesus. This is what he wrote. There are millions of ideas about what Jesus was like, he says. And some people like me have in, uh, inaccurate images that we're still trying to shake. He says others create new ideas about Jesus and then spend the whole of their life trying to convince themselves that the ideas that they've created are true. He continues, deep down, we all have a tendency to recreate Jesus in our own image. And then before you know it, what we find is that we have created for ourselves an American Jesus or a Western Jesus, a, a, a hippie Jesus, a capitalist Jesus, or a socialist Jesus. Deep down in the heart of most of us is a hidden desire to reinterpret Jesus in the light of our own culture, our own political bent, or our favorite theological belief. And if Chan is correct, this might be the very thing that keeps us from seeing Jesus for who he really is. Now, in the broader context in which we find the, our, our text this morning, Matthew tells us that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king, there were wise men or magi. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that uh, uh, Peterson in the message refers to them as Eastern scholars, scholars from the East. They came to Jerusalem, Matthew says, and they were asking, where is he who's born king of the Jews? And they continued, for we saw his star in the East and we've We've come to worship him. As it happens, uh, King Herod's formal title was King of the Jews. In fact, it was a title that was given to him by the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus. And, and so Matthew says that when, when Herod heard what the Magi were asking about, where is he who's King of the Jews, that Herod was troubled. I bet that he was. Sort of a subtle suggestion that perhaps he might be out of a job and that all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Indeed, uh, Herod was uh, probably one of the most vicious and cruel, not to mention insecure rulers that ever ruled in Israel. And so when he was upset, everybody was everybody around him uh, was on edge as well. And Matthew tells us that the, that the, the, Magi, the Magi's inquiry prompted Herod to, uh, to assemble the chief priests and scholars, the scribes that were in Jerusalem. 
and to, to tell him uh, where the Christ was to be born. And they told him uh, in Bethlehem of Judea, as it was written in the prophet Micah. And then they quoted Micah to him. Micah chapter 5 says, And you, O Bethlehem of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Matthew, picking up in, in verse 7 of this second chapter of Matthew, says that, and, and Herod then secretly summoned the wise men, the magi, to ascertain from them what time uh, this star appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And, and when you found him, come back and, and bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Of course, this was a, just a ploy on, on Herod's part to turn the situation, turn the situation uh, around to his advantage. But Matthew then continues uh, picking up in verse 9 of, of Matthew 2, that, that after listening to the king, the Magi went on their way. And we're told by Matthew that the star that they had seen that rose in the east went before them, and then it came to rest over the place where the child was, that is where Jesus was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then going into the house, into a house in Bethlehem where Joseph and Mary and Jesus were, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, things that they had brought with them from the east to present to this newborn king, they, they offered to him, in particular, gold and frankincense and, and myrrh. And then in verse 12, Matthew writes, and then being warned in a dream, in fact, there's Lots of dreams in this passage. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod in Jerusalem, they departed to their own country another way. Later in the broader context of our, our, of our, our text this morning, Matthew tells us that when Herod realized that he had been outmaneuvered by the Magi, he flew into a rage and sent members of uh, the royal guard to Bethlehem to murder all the male children there from the age ages of from the ages of 2 and younger uh, according to the timing that he had figured based upon what he had been told by the magi concerning the appearance of the star that they had seen and it's within this context that Jesus became of necessity a political refugee. Indeed, notice in our text, beginning at verse 13. And now when the Magi had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee out of the country. Flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And so Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill, Matthew says, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that is the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt 
I have called my son. It's interesting in the New Testament, especially in the birth narratives, the word behold, and Matthew uses it here, behold. The, the word literally means look, or what we might say in, in contemporary uh, language, listen up or uh, pay attention. And in other words, what Matthew is saying, don't miss this. And it's so easy to miss. Don't miss this. He says, an angel came to Joseph in Bethlehem. While he and Mary and the baby Jesus were sleeping, he appeared to Joseph in a dream. And the angel said, get up, get out of bed and flee. That is to say, to escape. In fact, the situation is a, is a, is a, is a crisis. And he says, and leave the country, leave Israel, cross the border into another country, into Egypt which was approximately 90 miles uh, from south of, of Bethlehem. And flee, uh, the, the angel says, flee Herod's jurisdiction because he'll soon be taking action to find and to kill Jesus. And so go south into Egypt, the angel says, where Herod has no political power. And so Joseph gone up. Uh, and Mary and Jesus with him, and they fled in haste uh, th that very night. In fact, uh, uh, Peterson puts it this way in the message that uh, it was under cover of darkness so that they were out of town and well on their way by daybreak. And Matthew says that uh, Jesus, together with Mary and, and Joseph, remained in Egypt, where there was, by the way, a significant Jewish population. So it wasn't as if they were all alone in Egypt or with people whose language they didn't understand. They remained in Egypt, we're told, uh, by Matthew in the text, until the death of Herod. That is to say, till the threat in Israel, till the threat in Jesus's own country was no longer a threat and that it was safe for him and Joseph and Mary to return home. And thus we have Jesus, the political refugee. But then also in our text, we have Jesus, the social outcast. What do you think of Jesus? <laughs> the political refugee and the social outcast, the sweet Jesus we often refer to in his own day, in his own time, and in his own country, a social outcast. Indeed, notice at verse 19, and when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt this time, saying, arise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And so Joseph rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land, went back to the land of Israel. But when Joseph heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there, afraid to go back to Bethlehem. And being warned in a dream, no doubt by the same angel, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. And so again, the angel came to Joseph, this time in Egypt, while he and Mary and the baby Jesus were sleeping. And this time the directive was to get up and to head back across the border into Israel to return home because Herod 
the king was dead. And as before, Joseph got up and, and, and with Mary and Jesus, Jesus and they, they made their way by night uh, back home to Israel. But we're told by Matthew that uh, when, when they got to Judea, that is the southernmost re, uh, district uh, w within, the, within the, the, la the land of Israel, uh, where Jerusalem and Bethlehem are, Joseph learned that Herod's ruthless son, Archelaus, uh, was uh, reigning in his stead uh, in Judea, and Idumea, as, as the case may be. And so Joseph, Joseph was uh, afraid to reestablish a home again in Bethlehem, his ancestral home. In fact, uh, Matthew tells us that an angel warned him not to do so, to not settle there because it was, uh, would be a dangerous place uh, for Jesus to be. And so Joseph, along with Mary and Jesus, heads uh, to Galilee, that is the, the northernmost region of the land of Israel. And there we're told they settled uh, in the village of Nazareth, about which, as we've said many times before, it was commonly said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So Joseph and, and Mary and Jesus are headed to Galilee, which is the northernmost part uh, of Israel, and, and they settled there in a, a village called Nazareth of which it was commonly said, uh, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And, and this was a, a, a social stigma uh, that Jesus would bear all the days of his life, and, and that Jesus was a, a, a social outcast uh, was something that actually was uh, foretold by the prophets uh, centuries before Jesus was ever born. Um, it, one text in particular, not least of which, uh, Isaiah 53, uh, uh, chapter 53 and verse 3, in which the prophet, uh, speaking uh, of the Messiah yet to come, uh, said, and, and he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Or in Psalm uh, 22 and verse 6, the the David, the Messiah speaking through David, of things that, in fact, in uh, Psalm 22, that Jesus himself would say on the cross, as is recorded for us in the Gospels. Uh, Psalm 22 and verse 6, I am a worm and, and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. And so Matthew says in our text in verse 23, and, and, and he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. And to be called a Nazarene, that is a person who hails from Nazareth, was no compliment in Jesus's day. Not, not even uh, just a, a regional description, but in Jesus's day, a, a common social slur. To, to, to be a, a Nazarene was to be no good. To be a, a Nazarene was to be a, a person unworthy of trust and respect. Not surprisingly, John in his gospel, in the very first chapter of his gospel, John chapter 1 and verse 11 wrote this, And Jesus came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. <laughs> of course they didn't. <laughs> he was a Nazarene. He was from Nazareth. 
But then ironically, in the, in the very next verse, in John 1 and verse 12, John wrote this, but to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so the real Jesus that no one wants was a political refugee, a, a social outcast. The Jesus that says difficult things such as uh, that which is highly valued by man is a, an abomination to God or, or one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That, that is not a, a welcome saying in a consumer-driven society or culture. Or, or, or that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's the real Jesus that no one wants, and yet the real Jesus that all of us need. Francis Chan said, deep down, we all have a tendency to recreate Jesus in our own image. I suppose that begs the question, then who is Jesus to you? Is your Jesus the real Jesus? Or is your Jesus just a, protection, a projection of yourself? Jesus, the social outcast, Jesus, the political refugee. Let us pray. There's so many scandalous things, Father, about the Son, and, and yet scandalous things that we oftentimes miss because we're looking for something else. We come to the scriptures with our preconceived cultural notions of what is there. Maybe what we've heard from preachers or family members or friends, what our culture thinks about Jesus. And so we think the same. And so we go looking for it. And oftentimes we find it in the pages of scripture, not noticing the other scriptures that say something quite different, like what we've just considered this morning. What do we think about the political refugee, about the person who flees his or her country, maybe to enter our own? Because they must, because their life is in danger or some other crisis circumstance. Do we see Jesus in them? Do we see them in Jesus? Are Jesus the social outcast? The person that no one respects? And yet he's God come to us in the flesh. And, and what we may not understand is that that's the way you choose to come to us. Help us to see these things for what they are, lest we create a religion and created Jesus in our own image, which isn't real, that someday we should be greatly surprised uh, when at the day of judgment, Jesus might say something to us, to us as stark as, depart from me, I never knew you, because we never knew him. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.